0: Behind the back, wrap around, and climbing the ladder is Dante Hall. Sexton, step back, good! Paddy at three. Always a flame throw? What a shot, 6-3 to the win. win, it's good! It's good! It's good! Colin Sexton made the floater, they'll review it! Colin Sexton may have saved the season. Tigers set to trigger it in. Smart gets it into Watford, threw it away. He'll run it down to the backcourt. Hugh will take it to the top of the arc. Watford, three at the buzzer, blocked by Herb. The putback, no, the buzzer sounds, and Bama hangs on. Oh, my goodness. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Double Dribble podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Harper, Head Basketball Analyst at Tide Illustrated, uh, part of the Rivals Network. You can find me on Twitter at HarperNation24. What a game. I'm going to be recapping the huge win that Alabama just had over number eight Auburn at home, 79-75 to 75 in what was a thriller of a game. Just great basketball for the most part. There was a lot of ugly moments for both teams throughout the game, but I'm going to break down the box score, break down everything to where I think Alabama, what went right for Alabama, what went wrong, um, just kind of give you the ebbs and flows of the game. If you if you weren't, if you're living under a rock and weren't able to watch it, I'm sure most of most of you that are listening to this did watch it and just come in for, you know, my feedback or just excited and listening to anything you can um, about this game. So... Alabama's coming off a huge loss to Tennessee on the road. Now, I called it an outlier loss, um, similar to the one of Oklahoma last year where they lost by nearly 20 there. Um, And it really didn't phase Alabama moving forward. It actually woke them up, it seemed like, moving the rest of that season. And you know how this season ended. Well, this Tennessee loss, albeit it is a conference loss, and it kind of hurts a little worse because it does affect standings, tiebreakers, things like that. Tennessee does come to Tuscaloosa later this year so they could always get their um, revenge. But with it being a conference game, it always means more. So coming off that brutal 20-point beatdown, which it, it could have been 30 if they wanted to, you didn't know how Alabama was going to respond against a really good Auburn team coming in that – Albeit, I said before that they really haven't been tested all season. They played one tough game, I feel like, against Baylor, and they played really well in it. It was back in November. I believe it was their first game of the season. And they ended up losing by one. They had the lead late, couldn't hit free throws, gave up some big shots, and ended up losing. So they do not have a single quad one win on the season. They've lost to Baylor. They've lost... At Alabama, and they've lost two Appalachian states, so they're 0-3 in quad, you know, quad one, quad one games. So Alabama moved to three and four overall in quad one games. That's going to be huge for Alabama moving forward because they really needed another win. That wasn't Indiana State at home, which I'm not sure they'll stay in the top 30 the rest of the season and then at Mississippi State, which is a very solid win. Mississippi State looks solid. They think they'll make the tournament. But you needed that marquee win on the national scale to kind of say, hey, Alabama's still there. Because right now, you know, you, you got Alabama that's 13-6 and six now. The record doesn't blow you away. They are 5-1 and one in the SEC, which I think is probably the second-best conference in America behind the Big 12. So it's gonna open some eyes for a lot of a lot of people. And I feel like in the meaningless, and let me emphasize <coughs> emphasize meaningless AP poll, I could see Alabama being ranked next week um, if they beat LSU at home. But but kind of diving into this game, it started out horrible for Alabama. They started out, I believe it was 16 to 8. They were down by eight points early on. Alabama couldn't hit anything. The lights went out at the beginning of the game after Janai Broom hit a three, which probably surprised the electricity in the building and just went out. And then you had like probably a five or ten minute delay, got back, and then Auburn went up six to nothing early. And they ended up ballooning that lead to 16 to 8. And then Rylan Griffin, who made a surprise appearance on the bench, giving up his starting spot to Latrell Reitzel Jr., who had a really good game as well. Came off the bench, hit three threes in a row. I mean, just a spark plug off the bench to end up giving Alabama a seventeen to sixteen lead, and a lead that I don't think Alabama gave up the rest of the first half. And they ended up ballooning their lead all the way to forty-four to thirty at halftime. And that's where you thought, you know, Alabama fans were starting to celebrate a little prematurely. I felt like I was probably one of them that was, you know. I, Alabama was rolling, Auburn couldn't hit the... I mean, they started one of 10 from three in the first half. Alabama's defense was playing surprisingly well, and they were starting to hit threes. So you thought Alabama was just going to run them out of the gym and punk them. Well, you knew it wasn't going to be that easy in the end. Um, You know, Auburn was going to make a run, they were going to fight, they weren't going to lay down. They're number eight in the country for a reason. They haven't lost but three or two games before tonight. And Auburn ended up taking the lead late in the game, I think with five minutes left. And they were kind of seesawing back and forth um, with the leads. Auburn went on a big run, ended up outscoring Alabama 45-35 to 35 in the second half. And it seemed like Alabama just couldn't score in the second half. They went the first four minutes of the second half scoreless. And honestly, it could have been probably a, a lot closer game earlier in the second half. 'Cause Auburn really wasn't hitting everything. Alabama was missing layup after layup after layup at the rim. But Auburn really wasn't lighting the, you know, lighting the scoreboard up in the first in the the start of the second half. So it could have been a lot worse. But Auburn did enough to chip away, chip away, and end up making it at basically a three point game, seesawing back and forth for the final eight or nine minutes of the game. So it ended up being a lot closer than what it was in the first half, and a large part of that had to do with Alabama's shooting and inability to finish at the rim, which has been a problem with for Alabama this year. Is finishing at the rim majority of the time. They've had games where they they finish pretty much unconsciously, but they've had games where where they've struggled and they struggle if they don't if they don't hit their layups because that's a big part of their game layups and three pointers. So. Ultimately, it came down to free throws, as it typically does in big rivalry games, especially ones like Alabama and Auburn. It seems like Auburn always plays better at Coleman than Alabama plays at Neville Arena. And last year's game kind of showed that, where they were up by like 18, and then JQ let it come back to where Alabama ended up winning in overtime. But Auburn always plays well in Coleman. It's always at the end. They always falter, and they did again tonight to where I believe they missed three or four free throws in the final minute and a half in a close game, which was crucial, and I don't think Alabama missed any. I believe they went eight for eight in their last eight free throw attempts in the finals, final two minutes or so. So that's ultimately where the, the ball game was won. You look at the box score, you see Alabama went 11 of 30 from, from three-point land, 36% right on average for them. And then Auburn went five of 25. I was surprised they shot 25 threes. Um, Alabama, I guess, they started packing the paint some and letting them shoot it. And then they got a little hot there in the early in the second part of the second half, hit, I think, four of their first seven threes or something like that. And they had, kind of had to stretch it out a little bit, start to guarding the perimeter a little bit more. And then that's when Jani Broom went to work. Janai Broom finished the game with 25 points, 14 rebounds, and five blocks. He was an animal, an animal against Alabama, and you really didn't have anybody that could stop him. Grant Nelson tried, Nick Pringle tried, Muhammad McGee tried. It didn't matter. Janai Broom was going to score, and they left him out for an extended amount of time late in the second half. I was very surprised. I believe it was probably about a four-minute rest, and Auburn held their own. Uh, Alabama really could have extended that lead a little bit more. From They extended it from one to five before Janai came back in. But Alabama ultimately weathered the storm, weathered the furious comeback by Auburn. And it showed a lot of mental toughness and, and physical toughness as well to play a physical team like Auburn and still put up nearly 80 points while only shooting 38% from the field. Only shot 38%. That is not good, especially at home, especially at home and coming off of the big loss at Tennessee where they couldn't score there either, it was it'll been easy for them to say well, they're the number eight team in the country. We kind of thought that this might happen and just fold, but they didn't. They fought and they showed that they can close games, big games. and that's something that Nate Oates has been wondering about this team is it are they a team? That doesn't fold late in games. Well, they showed tonight; they are not, or at least they're they're moving towards being that team. They just have to do it more on a more consistent basis. Now, you hope that they're not in close games every game, every every night. You hope they're blowing teams out or putting in the walk ons at the last last two or three minutes. But in the SEC and in conference play, that doesn't happen. You're going to have close games, especially on the road. You, you want to see this type of performance from your team late in the game. So, kind of diving a little bit deeper, uh, Alabama actually beat Auburn on the boards, forty-six to forty-one overall. You knew that Auburn would have the edge in blocks. Um Broom is a monster rim protector. Had Auburn had ten blocks to Alabama's three, Auburn dominated the paint, thirty-eight to thirty. Um, Bows were pretty even, 20 to 19. The big disparity, obviously, was Alabama, 11 threes to Auburn's five. Now, I, I mentioned before, Auburn is not a good shooting team. If you force them to mid range or out, they're going to miss a lot more than they make. And they were making really tough shots early in the game. But as the game went down or wore down, the players wore down and their legs came out from under them and they weren't able to weren't able to make those tough shots later on, so that was the big, the big disparity. Everything else is pretty close to each other. It's just the 11 threes to five. That's a plus 18 in the box score, in one category. Free throws: Auburn was 14 of 18. Alabama was 16 of 19 but Alabama made them at the crunch time at the end when you needed needed to make them the most. Now, kind of looking at some of the individual statistics, starting off for for Auburn, obviously Jaren Brown 25 14 had five blocks, he ended up fouling out late in the game as well, 11 of 17 from the field, super efficient. He just didn't get any help. You know, you had Katie Johnson that that Played 22 minutes, had eight points. Chad Baker-Mazra had 11 points. Got fouled on a very crucial three, which wasn't a foul. Um, He kicked his leg out. Grant Nelson went up to try to contest. Really didn't even even hit him. If if anything, gave him a high five, which is not a foul um, on, on a jump shot. But the way Mazra contorted his body, kicked his leg out, sold it to the ref had three free throws to tie with under a minute to go, and he hit two of three, which was huge because Alabama got the rebound. Grant Nelson hit both of his, and then Auburn was just trying to play a free throw match the rest of the game. So it came down to Baker-Majra at the end of the game. Starting lineup was ugly for Auburn. Chris Moore only had three points, and he only played ten minutes, and he he was terrible. Um, Jalen Williams had a bad game, three of nine shooting. He did have 11 boards, so he was a monster there, only seven points. Denver Jones, who was an Alabama target in the transfer portal, ended up choosing Auburn, Shot three of eight, one of five from three, only nine points in 21 minutes. And Aiden Holloway, the big stud, five-star freshman point guard, 22 minutes, 0 of 7 from the field, 0 of 5 from three point land, 2 of 3 from free throw, 2 points. This is why I don't believe in Auburn come March. You have to have a competent, really good backcourt if you're going to make it deep in the March. You can't rely on one big man. You saw what happened to Purdue last year. Zach Eady had a great game, but the guards around them did not. And they fell to a 16 seed. Auburn will not go far in March as long as Aiden Holloway and Denver Jones are playing this bad. Just won't. That's just how March is. And they haven't been tested in the SEC yet. They did tonight. They played well enough to win. But ultimately, they did not. They did not. Going over to the Alabama side, You have four guys that really carried the load for Alabama. Mark Sears wasn't incredibly efficient, only one of five from three, nine of 21 overall, but he did have 22 points, eight assists to five turnovers. He did turn it over a lot. was very – he was just careless with the ball a lot. And, you, you know, we've come to become accustomed to that with Mark to where he's averaging a little over three turnovers a game right now but it kind of is masked by his pure scoring ability to where he, he scores 20 a night on average, 20-plus in SEC play. But when he dishes out eight assists, has five rebounds, three steals, I mean, he does everything outside of turning the ball over that just impacts the game so much. So that's why you don't really look at, it, look at his turnovers as much as you do the other facets of his, of his game. Rylan Griffin is one guy that really kept Alabama in the game early on, off the bench. He did play 31 minutes, so he played his normal allotment of minutes coming off the bench. Scored 17 points, seven rebounds, five of ten from three. So he had nearly half the threes that Alabama had overall. Latrell Rotzel had 14 points in the start lineup. He played 33 minutes. I was very impressed with Latrell because he typically only plays – 22, 25 minutes a game off the bench. He makes a big impact. And I think, you know, I saw in the presser after the game that apparently Javon Quinterly came to Rylan Griffin about coming off the bench, or Rylan went to Javon Quinterly, sorry, about coming off the bench. And he might have suggested to, to Coach Nate Oates, hey, let me come off the bench. I want to be a, you know, a bench scorer. And it worked out really well. But Latrell Razel had a good spot in the starting lineup. As one of the smaller guards on the team, he had nine rebounds. Nine rebounds. 14 points, four of six from three. And Grant Nelson, one guy that gets so much hate from Alabama fans, and I've been critical of him as well. 14 points, 11 rebounds. Had a block in the game. Crucial, crucial free throws at the end of the game as well. Did finish three of eight, so obviously not, not efficient, but eight of nine from the free throw line and he rebounded. And he battled down low with Jana Broom. He got abused a lot, but he battled. He didn't foul. He had two fouls all game. McGee well, and Pringle both combined for seven. They only combined for nineteen minutes overall. Jared Stevenson played more than both combined at twenty three minutes, scoring six points. And then Aaron Estrada. Horrible game from Aaron Estrada. Horrible. If you would have told me Aaron Estrada would score zero points, not make a single field goal all game, and only play 17 minutes, I would have thought you were crazy. And I, I would I would have thought Auburn would have won. But that's why you have a team, and that's why you have a good backcourt as Alabama does with Griffin, Rotzel, and Sears to pick them up. That's something that Auburn did not have. So a huge win from Alabama, Obviously. 13-6 overall, they did drop down to the number two adjusted offense in Ken Palm. They remain number eight in Ken Palm, number two adjusted offense, jumped up seven spots to 56 in adjusted defense, and their adjusted strength schedule is number two. So Alabama's metrics continue to shine and continue to really carry them to where they're going to end up being – as of right now, there'll be a three back end three, high end four seed. As it stands right now, you have a top ten net, top ten Kimpom. You have three quality quad one wins, one away from the on on the road. That'll bump you up, and that's what Alabama's going to attempt to help carry them along the way and into their next game. Alabama faces LSU at home on Saturday. At 7 p.m., so it'll be a night game, thankfully, and hopefully have a big crowd like they did tonight against Auburn. And LSU is not a very good team; they're 11 and 8 overall, seventh in the SEC. They just lost a heartbreaker at Georgia. It looked like they were going to beat Georgia. Georgia missed a shot with about three seconds left. To Chua, or however you pronounce his name, got an offensive rebound and a putback, and won made the free throw, ended up winning by two, Georgia did, over LSU at home. LSU's lost three of the last four, lost at Auburn, did beat Ole Miss at home, lost at home to Texas A&M, and just lost a heartbreaker at Georgia. Now, LSU is one of those teams that played a really easy, I would say, non-conference schedule. They played some bigger names, such as Kansas State, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Texas. Lost all of those games except for beating Wake Forest, in, beat Wake Forest in in a Charleston Classic early in the season. But LSU really hasn't beaten anybody all year. If you want to call Ole Miss a win at home, you can count them, I guess. But LSU overall is a team that is capable of winning a tough game such as on the road against Georgia or at home against Ole Miss, at home against Texas A&M. I mean, they did beat A&M at A&M to start off conference play by 15. But I don't think either of those teams are really good in my opinion. I mean, they're bottom half teams in the SEC. So Alabama really needs to take care of a business this Saturday against LSU. Because if they can take, take care of LSU at home, that would start them at 6-1 and one in conference, going into a road game against Georgia. And Georgia's number 69, which is a very nice Ken Palm rating. They'll go into Georgia on the road on Wednesday, next Wednesday, an early tip-off at 530. You beat LSU – you go into Georgia and you win, which would be a quad one win, by the way. So that would make it four. And then you beat Mississippi State at home. You're staring down eight and one in the first half of SEC conference play, going into a road game against Auburn, which I'm sure will be all over. If, if they win three in a row after the Auburn win, they'll definitely be in the top 20 in the country. And that'll be a big top-20 showdown on the Plains. But, I mean, I'm just going to kind of do a quick run here. Alabama's 5-1. and 5-1 um, in conference right now. You you can't assume any wins in conference. So, you know, disclaimer there. But you beat LSU at home, which you should be pretty heavily double-digit favorites. Make it 6-1. and one. At Georgia, you're probably still going to be favored slightly in that game even though Georgia's overall high in the SEC standings, but I'm still not a huge believer in them. Beat Georgia, 7-1. At, or at home against Mississippi State should win that game, 8-1. and Say you lose to Auburn, 8-2, and in the first 10 games. You have LSU on the road, at home against AM and in Florida, both very winnable games. At Kentucky, tall task. At Ole Miss, Winnable. Home against Tennessee, winnable. At Florida, winnable. Home against Arkansas, very winnable the, the way Arkansas looks right now. So I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten games where Alabama will likely be either pick them or favored the rest of the way. Not counting at Kentucky. Matt Auburn. I mean, sky's the limit here. If they just win their home games the rest of the season, not counting Tennessee, let's not count Tennessee. One, two, three, four, five. That would put them at a minimum of 10 and 8 in conference. Still a couple road games, and you're at 12 and 6. That's a top four seed record in the SEC. That is That would be perfect for Alabama to finish 12-6 and six or better. Get a top-four seed, double-buy an SEC tournament. That would likely lock up a top-four-ish seed, top-fifth or higher seed in the NCAA tournament for sure. What more could you ask for from this team and what Nate Oates has built in one offseason? This is pretty much a makeshift team he built in the transfer portal, and he's got this kind of momentum, that he could finish the year out with, and then to have a top seven, top eight recruiting class coming in, not counting transfer portal guys that I'm sure they'll land. Incredible start to the conference play. I don't want to get too far ahead, but it's it's exciting times for where you can look ahead and kind of see what what could transpire, and you're you're just seeing as like a five or a six floor, seat floor for the NCAA tournament mid or near the end of January, every single season, it seems like, under Nato's, And it's just refreshing. You get, it makes you excited as an Alabama fan, and obviously winning helps too. So after losing three in a row in the gauntlet in December, they've won seven of their last eight going into LSU on the, at home on Saturday night at 7pm on ESPN, so it'll be another ESPN broadcast game as well. I don't have any recruiting news to kind of follow up on. I I finished up with Mikael Brown um, last week. Great kid. I think Alabama has a great chance to land him, and if he reclassifies, it's just going to add to the top ten class they already have. Two McDonald's All-Americans, by the way, Aiden Sherrell and Darion Reed. Doubt Darion Reed plays. He suffered a knee injury, um, minor knee injury, but I doubt he plays in the McDonald's All-American game. Aiden Sherrell definitely will bar and injuries um, also. So that's really wrapping up this show. I appreciate everyone to listen all the way through and to listen again. Um, All my faithful listeners, I appreciate you. Uh, You're what keeps me going. And I just enjoy sharing Alabama basketball thoughts, analysis, and news with every one of you. I love everyone that loves Alabama basketball. And even those that are kind of just passively following it because they're really good, love y'all too. all four fans getting into Alabama basketball or basketball on period. It's, it's a great game. Exciting times for Alabama football right now as well with Ryan Williams committing and canceling his visit to Auburn next or two weeks from now before signing day. Huge gift for Kalen DeBoer in his first, first two weeks on the job. So all-around great day for Alabama over Auburn in multiple sports tonight. So I appreciate everyone listening. Like I said, my name's Jordan Harper, Head Basketball Analyst of Tide Illustrated. You can find me on Twitter at HarperNation24. If you'd like to follow me for my Bama, Bama Intel, Bama News analysis, you can follow me there as well. Until next time, appreciate everyone y'all listening. Adios.